Hey everyone, Pastor Vaughn here with another episode of Rock Talk. It's our Rock Church podcast where we help you become better followers of Jesus Christ and better people for this world. We're in our part two of our Mental Check series. It's our series here at the Rock Church on mental health. And today we're talking about the hot and button issues of depression and loneliness. Our special guest today is Karen Guthrlis. She is from Rugged Pathways Counseling Services right here in North Platte. Karen, she's earned her master's in Christian counseling from Columbia Evangelical seminary in 2000 and another master degree in community counseling from Shattered State and she's been a fully licensed mental health practitioner since 2012. She is a member of New Life Live, Focus on the Family, and the American Christian Counseling Association. So let's go ahead and start talking about mental check in the areas of depression and loneliness. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Karen. Welcome everyone to Rock Talk, our episode of Mental Check Part 2, where we're talking about depression and loneliness. And with me, I have our uh, special guest, Karen. K- Karen, how do you say your, your last name? It's Karen Gutherless. Gutherless. Okay, I said it right. So Karen, thank you so much for being on. I know we were, uh, we're actually recording uh, 7.30 at night on Zoom. So thank you for your flexibility um, and willing to uh, help our listeners learn uh, and really just have the heart to helping people. So thank you for being on Rock Talk. You're welcome. Uh, so just for our viewers, to um, some of them might know you, some of them might not. Um, but can you go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself, who you are, uh, what exactly you do, and maybe give a little background on uh, why you became a, a counselor? Not a lot of people grow up saying, I wish I was a counselor. Yeah. Um, well, it was an eating process, that's for sure. Um I grew up here in our plat and went to school here and played college. And during that time in college, to be an artist and graphic design media. Um, and then I started studying seminary in 95 and saw a lot of changes in my own heart evolving and had a lot of things to clutter out of my own life. And still, you know, we all do, we all evolve. And then um, I met a gentleman um, at a camp. He was, it was in a Christian camp and he was here um, from Canada doing some um, hours for his own degree. Plus he was a professor for a seminary out of Longview, Washington. And he introduced me to the long distance learning. And this was um, in 94, 95, that era where Uh, We didn't have the internet and all that stuff. So I was taking courses from him locally and then he moved back to Nova Scotia. So everything I did by paper and mail was the process with him. But I certainly um, gleamed a lot from him. And so then came time to do my internship. So I went out to San Jose and got some experience out there and then came back to Denver and did the rest of my internship and did seminary um Christian counseling out in Denver for a a year or two and decided to come back here in 2001 and I got married um and did on-call chaplain work at the hospital and did social work and decided I wanted to get 
licensed um, and went back to a state college here in Nebraska and was able to get another master's degree um, in mental health or community counseling. So my first one was in Christian counseling. Um, and then I evolved into being a licensed mental health practitioner. Um, so I've been doing this for quite a while, but just in a different role. Um, and now I am a program therapist at a hospital. I work with geriatric um, therapy, and then I also have private pay, private practice clients here in North Platte. Yeah. So how, uh, what, what practice, what was the name of your practice? Um, Rugged Pathways Counseling Services. Okay. Yeah. And how, uh, how is that going with COVID and everything that's been happening? Um, there's a lot of people that I've been working with, um, with some of the seniors who are online because they're in a nursing home or an assisted living. And we are fortunate to have the technology to include them in the group. And some people are coming in person. Um, so we are um, to our limit. Mm-hmm. Um, we can allow um, 10 for the group therapy um, at a time. So our waiting list is growing. And then here at my private practice, um, I'm maxed out right now. Um, not everything is so related to COVID, but enough people that have anxiety, um, and depression that's kind of gotten heightened because of COVID. Wow. Wow. That seems to kind of be the the story with uh, a lot of the uh, practitioners I've talked with. Uh, They're just Jan packed. I was talking mm-hmm. to someone a couple of weeks ago. They, uh, she just said that she had almost an average of uh, eight new voicemails on her phone every day. Uh, just people just trying to get a session in. Um, and yeah. so, uh, I, I definitely think COVID has revealed and heightened a lot of uh, the mental health in our area. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but yeah, so let's talk about a little bit about mental health in the church. Um, in, in, in your opinion, because I want to know your opinion, is in your opinion, do you think mental health is talked about much uh, in the church in general? Yeah, in general, I think it's starting to evolve because there's certain diagnoses that are more acceptable. Yeah. Like depression, anxiety, ADHD. But um, severe mental illness is kind of a taboo or they just don't understand it. So they don't know how to talk about it. Mm. But I think um, Rick Warren and his wife out in California are starting to help the evangelical and other sectors of the Christian market to, um, to learn more about it and to educate themselves and how to handle it. Yeah. You you mentioned that, uh, you know, there's some mental healths that are quote unquote accepted in the church world um, and some that aren't, but what are some of the mental health uh, diagnoses that aren't um, quite as accepted or taboo or? Yeah. Or um, I don't know if they necessarily come out and say Mm -hmm. they don't accept people with mental illness. I think it's just um, not knowing what to say. That could be a lot of the stigma um, and, and fear um, of how to understand and communicate with people who have persistent mental illness. 
such as schizophrenia, bipolar, all that, um, and supporting them. Um, I do know that more pastors are starting to understand that they need to refer someone to a clinician or a psychiatrist for medications, but not all of them. Um, depending on the theology or the grid that they're under and how they perceive mental illness can be a big factor in that. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the, um, what are some of the stigmas that uh, church might have uh, that comes mm. with mental health? Uh, I've talked on Sunday, you know, the biggest one that uh, I have heard and read about is uh, mental health is, um, more of a demonic issue and it's something that needs to be mm. prayed away. Uh, now I, I think mm. that stigma is slowly fading away, but it's still there in some churches, sadly. Yeah. Um, are, are there any other stigmas that you, you heard about that just kind of, um, this is all in your head. If you just prayed more and read your Bible more, it would go away. Mm. Um, the, the victim blaming, the person for being mentally ill, the misunderstanding that your brain's an organ and mm -hmm. has um, synapses and dendrites that can skew off and not um, work right and and cloud your thinking and and um, ability to cope and function well. Yeah. So on the spectrum, you can have mental health issues, but then it can move up to persistent mental illness. And I think when it comes to that dark area, even um, trauma is missed, misunderstood. And 90% of people's mental illness can be from trauma. Hmm. Yeah, I think you said it so well. And I, I, I have not thought of it about that way is uh, the, well, cause you know, it's, it's science, but um, the brain is a, is an organ. You know, so if we have a heart issue, we go to a heart doctor. Right. If we have a liver issue, we go to a liver. If we have a kidney issue, we go to a kidney doctor. Well, for some reason, when it comes to our brain, we don't do anything about it. Right. Because it's misunderstood. Um, neuroscience is starting to make headway um, with coming out with more evidence of what's going on. I mean, depression's kind of been... Um, explained a lot better with the dopamine and things that happen in your brain that make depression hard to recover from. Um, but I had a wise pastor that I talked to one time and he um, suggests every person that would come into his door for counseling to get a full checkup because depression can come from thyroid issues, um, from medic, you know, any kind of medical issues can affect the brain as well. And so um, we are mind, body, and soul. We're not just our soul, you know? And so I think sometimes those things are kind of overlapping. So yes, prayer can help you get through it, but it's not everything. You, if you can imagine a pie of having um, the medical piece, you know, the physiological piece along with the spiritual piece and then the emotional piece as well. Yeah. So with all of these stigmas and the church slowly getting in the middle of uh, talking about mental health, trying to normalize it within the church world, what, what do you think is the best thing that um, the church could do to come against these stigmas? I think um, listening. 
Mm. Listening to people and and under trying to understand where they're coming from and not, I mean, my, my principle is that um, I focus on supporting people um, in, in a supportive environment, not through judgment, shame, or guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, healing happens in a loving, supportive environment. And I think when we think we have the answer, that's, that's toxic. That's judgment. You know, no one has the cure. <laughs> and so we have to seek wisdom from God for one thing, even when we're dealing with cancer, um, we're going to get treatment, but we're also trusting God as we go through that treatment. That's kind of been my prayer. And the reason why we're doing this mental check series in, in our church is um, because of COVID, some things were revealed in my own life, mainly in the world of just anxiety, some yellow flags that I, I know that if I didn't uh, start being intentional and prior, prioritizing my mental health, it could get worse. And I realized like, man, and I'm a pastor and not to think mm-hmm. like I've got a special um, covering over me, but it, it just, uh, you want to think about that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and that's kind of the, the big thing now is they're talking about how pastors and counselors and therapists, like now they're struggling with depression and loneliness because mm-hmm. they're, they're wrestling with all of this stuff. And so mm-hmm. I, that's one of the reasons why we're doing this series is to come against these stigmas and try to normalize it and being okay uh, with being in the middle of the mental health crisis. And so yeah. well, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, depression and loneliness, two subjects that um, people don't like talking about. Um, but uh, just for the uh, definition's sake, uh, what, what is depression? Mm-hmm. Well, clinical depression is a serious condition that neg- negatively affects how a person thinks, feels, and behaves. Um, in contrast, normal sadness, you might have a bad day, but clinical depression is persistent, often interferes with a person's ability to experience and anticipate pleasure and significantly interferes with functioning in daily life. So untreated symptoms can last for weeks, months, or years. And if inadequately treated, depression can lead to a significant impairment, um, other health-related issues, and in rare cases, suicide. So um, you want to monitor yourself um, if you've had it more than six weeks or six months, then, you know, gauge it and say, man, I can't get out of bed. Um, I have no desire to go to work, you know, or um, you'll know if it's too much. Um, I think like we have a headache. We know when it's a migraine, we need to take care of it. So um, a depressed mood um, most of the day, nearly every day, and it's persistent. It doesn't go away. Even if your friend is wanting you to go out and it still doesn't help you know, or something that you normally enjoy. It's just not going away. Yeah. Yeah. So how probably when it's more clinical than just a bad day. So how is, how is loneliness linked to depression? Well, none of us are made to live in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. Um, We need other people. And so if you have depression and you isolate yourself and have no community or friends to support you, 
it would it will definitely trigger more severe depression. Um, loneliness um, can be an internal issue um, where you don't feel like you're worthy with depression. You don't matter with depression because it likes to lie to you. Um, so fighting those lies and and re um, rewiring a new script um, to tell yourself you are worthy. You may not feel worthy, but you are worthy. Um, those are challenges. Those are the cognitive skills that everybody needs to learn um, and recognize when they're hearing those um, faulty thinkings or those lies. Yeah. Why, why do you think, in your own opinion, why do you think depression and loneliness, well, more so for depression, but why, why do you think depression is, is on the rise right now? Well, um, I think people lose hope. I think people lose um, the ability to um, gain strength with themselves, the, the low self-worth. Um, if they've gone through abuse and neglect or domestic violence or a hardship of some kind and their resilience just isn't there, mm -hmm. it's just we are all made of dust, right? <laughs> and so it's just real easy to be fragile in a, in a broken world and there's a lot of people hurting. And so healing um, happens in an environment of love and support. It doesn't happen in an environment of constant judgment, um, shame or guilt. So there might be some um, negative self-talk that's going around inside of them that's keeping them stuck. Yeah, you mentioned uh, a term I, I'm reading uh, well, I just started my master's a couple of weeks ago, and we are in a leadership class, and we're talking about the mental health of a pastor, and they brought up the word, and you just used it, but the term resiliency. Can, can you go further into what that is and why it's important? Resiliency is something that is developed in, internally to um, have hope in, your, in who you are and who you're created to be. Um, it keeps you wanting to fight um, for your life. Um, it's kind of like you, your armor is on. You got a um, still trap mind that is going to protect you and keep, get you through the tough times. Yeah. How, how do you build that? How does one acquire that? Um, well, um, personal development, um, self-care, um, a relationship with, a, with God um, or your higher power, as most people would say. Um, but being your own best friend um, and being kind to yourself and compassionate like God would love you is my key. Um, may not be everybody else's key, but I think having that personal relationship with God um, can really get you there to care about yourself. Um, mm. There is some cognitive dissonance in um, church and personal growth. And so I may say that I believe God loves me or that I'm worthy, but I'm acting totally opposite to that identity when I beat myself up and I condemn myself. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not living in sync with what I believe and how I act, then I need to do a self-check 
and say, okay, what am I thinking? How am I feeling? And what am I going to do with that? And so getting an alignment to what I really believe is important. Yeah. Yeah. Resiliency. It is a, it is a key uh, to, to your personal mental health for sure. Yeah. Well, here's the big question. Is it possible to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and still wrestle with clinical depression? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Because we're human. (laughs) Um, We may believe that God loves us and he's there for us, but that doesn't stop cancer. Mm. And that's not going to stop dopamine. Um, It'll help to have faith to get through it. But that doesn't mean um, it has anything to do. That's kind of black and white thinking, Um, you know, to think, okay, because I don't have enough faith, I'm going to get depressed. Well, we don't do that again. Like you said, we don't do that with cancer. If I, if I believe that God loves me, that doesn't mean I'm not going to get cancer. Yeah. I think that's so good because you're always going back to the science of things. And I think so many times in the Christian world, science and faith are separated, but really they can be uh, best friends because, uh, be- right. because how God created us, like there's all these, the, the neural pathways and all these different things, the, the writing mm-hmm. of our, our, our brain functions, it, it all comes back down to that science. And if you don't know that and take care of that natural thing that God has given us, um, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't work and, and it can really, really mess you up. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of ambivalence and there's a lot of ambiguity. Um, ambivalence is two extreme feelings at the same time. They're opposite. Um, so there's a lot of fear. If I take meds, what is people going to say about me? Mm-hmm. But what if I don't take meds, then what's going to happen? I will spiral and I will decompensate in my mental health well-being. So there's this fear, okay, what, what are people going to think or what's going to happen to me if I start taking medications? Am I going to get um, shunned? Am I going to get um, labeled as crazy? You know, and so that's why we really need to focus on our true identity um, and not look at ourselves as a disease, mm-hmm. okay? That disease model tells you why you are the way you are, but it doesn't tell you who you were created to be. It's mm-hmm. not your authentic identity. It's just something that has happened to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It goes yeah, back down but, to if you have a broken leg. You're not going to sit there and, you know, Oh, I've, I've got with a broken leg all your life. No, you're a guy <laughs> with a broken leg, but God has more for you. And, and yeah. meds can help you see that, you know, mm-hmm. um, and th- just to put it out there plainly, are, are you saying like medication is a good thing? Absolutely. It's part of the process. Um, You do need to have a physician or a psychiatrist assess that. Um, They're, they're qualified to do all of that stuff. And um, there is even DNA testing that people can have done to know what your DNA um, can, what medications would work best for you. Um, It is a trial and error, just like anything we got to, you know, try Um, and know the side effects and be responsible enough to say, Hey, this is making me more depressed. You know, I need to try something different and, and just be mindful about that. Um, So, 
um, just because someone had a bad experience does not mean it's all bad. That's that black and white thinking that I see go on. And so all meds are, are scary and there's no good med. Well, I also think, I also feel that since we're mind, body, and soul, we also need to eat healthy. Um, if we're eating fast food and we're not taking care of our bodies, then our mind and our, and our soul are going to be affected as well. So, yeah. Yeah. That's why I always, uh, I encourage any of, uh, friends or you know, people that go to my church, they're, they're wrestling with the, the whole process of trying to find the right meds, the right amount of the certain meds. And I just encourage them to stick with the process, stick with the process. I know it seems mm-hmm. much more heavier because when you have a broken leg, you know, it's a broken leg, but when it's uh, your, your, your mental health, it, it's that much more heavy, but stick mm-hmm. with the process. Yeah, so, trust it. That's really, really good. And yeah. But um, I just think it's, it's holistic. It's, you got to try, you can't just rely on meds. You can't just rely on um, your beliefs um, in, in the Lord. Um, and you can't just rely your friends on your friends all the time to be filling your cup up either. You have to, your part is to take care of body, mind, and soul. Yeah. Yeah. So going over Sunday's message, uh, I was telling a story out of First Kings chapter 19, uh, where Elijah just got done some got done uh, doing some really incredible things for the Lord. He was kind of calling fire down from heaven. I mean, that's super cool thing to do on behalf of God. Uh, but then something uh, happens where it's a turning point in his life, where the king and queen were not impressed with him. In fact, they're trying to kill him, really. And scripture says that he with he withdraws withdraws to the wilderness and he begins to have this um well on Sunday I called it he was just broken emotionally, where he says, Lord, I, I'm done. Just just take me out of this life. I quit. I can't go anymore. Any uh anymore. I'm I'm done. Um and I I, I talked about how that you can be in this state and even if it's like Elijah, where it seemed like maybe a couple of weeks, or maybe it was a season for you where it was six months to a couple of years, that no matter what you're in, that there, there's always hope. There's always hope. And one of the first points I talked about is that your faith is not broken uh, and that God is really for you. So my question to you is, uh, why do people who wrestle with depression believe that their faith might be broken? Mm. Very good question. Cause they're not feeling good. They equate that with, um, a, an expectation that they're going to be totally healed and everything's going to work just like that. That's that magical thinking. Um, so the ambiguity is the grace. Um, like I can still have struggles, but still, matter and belong with God. So does our American Western civilization (laughs) um, support people that aren't always um, on the go and able to have their life together? But so a a lot of it is cultural that we think we have to have everything together in order to be okay with God. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. 
So how can someone who wrestles with depression and loneliness, how, how can they know that God is for them? I would lean on what God says as my total truth versus what humans in the world and I can get skewed off and have distorted thinking. Um, so if my truth is in what God says about me, I would rest in that and try to um, keep closer to those voices rather than um, what I think or my negative self-talk is thinking. Um, yeah. Yeah. So just having your hope on that rather than what people are saying. Yeah. I love how you're bringing everything back to God, knowing how God created you, knowing his purpose for you, knowing uh, who he calls you to be and the identity he's placed on you. Uh, that seems to be mm -hmm. very key with someone who uh, might be wrestling with loneliness and depression. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's, that's really, really good. Uh, another thing I talked about is depression is not just a, a spiritual issue. Um, right. and my, so my question, my question is this, is uh, how is depression more than a spiritual issue? We, we kind of hit on a little bit, but maybe we can go more in depth about it. Okay. So transformation happens on the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical levels. That's taking the whole person into consideration. So if if I blamed everything on sin, I am forgetting the heart of God and the love of God in that person's life or the wounds that they might be struggling with or their um, oppression they've gone through or their um, need for a medical doctor. Okay. And if I blame everything on my mental, um, I may um, excuse my sin. <laughs> Mm -hmm. as well. Um, and that's been criticized a lot um, in the Christian market at times that um, blame it on the brain. Well, it's part of it, you know? Yeah. And so again, ambiguity is really hard in a black and white world where it's not just one thing. We have to check all the bases. So what all goes into uh, depression? You were talking about, uh, is it dopamine that you mentioned? Um, yeah, I would say, the, um, and see, there's different variables to that. There's no black and white answer as to why you're depressed. And so that's when you'd want to sort through and go get an evaluation done, um, a medical, full uh, medical um, checkup, getting your blood labs drawn. You could be low on vitamin D. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, exercise can help. Um, depression, eating right can help depression, taking um, your medications, um, getting some exercise, um, getting better sleep. Um, if you're tired, that you could also run out of energy and, and be depressed because you're not getting enough sleep. Um, so, you know, doing a holistic approach to your health, mental, physical, emotional and spiritual. Maybe you're in a toxic relationship and you need to set some stronger boundaries, you know, things like that. And going to a therapist, you've talked through your feelings and your thoughts. Um, people criticize talk therapy, but there's amazing results with interpersonal neuroscience that can help heal the brain as well. So it, again, it's being able to 
take care of all those bases can really help the development and, and success of getting better. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, so I mentioned earlier, uh, pr- uh, prior right when COVID hit, um, I was kind of going on my own little uh, mental health journey. I went through a little bit of a, an identity crisis where uh, our church was growing. And then in an instant, the very next Sunday, on Easter, where we were planning on launching our new cafe, we were going to go to two services, all these great things that, you know, pastors and churches celebrate. Um, it was killed in an instant. And soon I was preaching to an empty room, to a video camera. Uh, and I, uh, as weird as it sounds, I went through a little bit of identity crisis that added on um, a, and an amount of stress that I could not handle. Mm. In the lifestyle that I was choosing to live, meaning my, my physical health, my mental health, my spiritual health. Um, I, I, I say that I was li- living out of rhythm um, mm-hmm. and I was living in a rhythm that wasn't healthy for me. And one of the things that I started doing um, oh, probably about two months ago is um, working on my physical health. I'm a larger guy. Uh, it's, uh, sadly, a lot of pastors struggle with obesity. I, I was, I'm still one of those people. Um, but I can tell you my resiliency with stress um, mm-hmm. and anxiety um, has increased. And just as that little change in, in my life has proven to be one of the greatest things that I could have ever done. And so I love the holistic approach that you're bringing to the table. I think that is so key uh, Mm -hmm. for someone that is walking in their mental health journey. The third point I I talked about, and I I encourage them because they hear it all, those who wrestle with depression and loneliness, they hear it all the time. um, But it's something I I think we, we can't stop saying is you are not alone. You are not alone. It Back to that first Kings scripture, the reason why Elijah wanted to die is because he truly thought he was one of the last prophets left. And he felt this burden that he couldn't carry anymore and he wanted to quit. And God just reassured him in the cave in the following scriptures that he says, you know what, when you go back, you're going to realize you're not alone. In fact, there's 7,000 people who are rooting for you, Elijah. You need to know that you're not alone. And for some reason, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like for someone that wrestles with depression, one of the first one of the first things that they tend to do is they want to isolate. Do you see that as well? Yeah, um, because depression likes to lie to us. Um, we feel worthless, helpless, and hopeless, and so we don't see our worth. We don't see hope, and it makes us feel like we don't belong or that we we're not worth anything. Um, and so you isolate when you feel that way. Um, and so, yes, we need to honor our feelings, but we can't let our feelings run us in our thoughts like that. So if it's not going in a good direction and we're sabotaging ourselves through judgment, shame, or guilt, you can't heal in that thought process. And so that's my red flag to say, boy, if I'm starting to feel this way, I need to go get some help. Yeah. Is, is there ever a good time to be isolated, to, to withdraw almost kind of like Elijah did? I think um, aloneness is different than isolation. Aloneness, 
when you're alone in your in your own private um, contemplative um, place to restore yourself, it's isolation to me. Um, that term seems like um, shut down, shut off, mm. rather than restore. Yeah. So the the semantics of that word, you know, it might be different. Um, if I want to live in an isolated um, environment, I might build myself a log cabin out in the woods, but I would still want to go to town and see people, you know, even the truest introvert needs connections. <laughs> so, yeah, but they get restored by being alone. Um, I think it's a good balance to have alone time, but I, isolation is cutting yourself off from people and things which can cause depression to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. I think, uh, uh, some alone, um, time just to contemplate, you know, um, kind of what I said on Sunday, you know, you can have time to, uh, validate your feelings, know that your feelings are real. Um, but like you said, you know, don't, you, you can honor your feelings, you can honor your emotions, but don't let them run you. Don't let them take the authority from you. Um, mm-hmm. they're there to help you put things in perspective and to help you make the decision that needs to be made, uh, for the betterment of, of your mental health. And so I, 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 I would agree with that. I talked about a little bit on Sunday, uh, two spiritual practices in this sermon series, um, uh, there, there was a heaviness to when I'm preparing these messages, meaning that when I announced that we were going to do a mental health series, uh, I've told this, so I'm not breaking any uh, confidentiality. There's no names involved in this, but um, the Sunday before we brought this up, we had a dozen or so messages through email or through, they found me on Facebook or something like that. And we had people tell us saying, Hey, I'm glad that the rock church is doing a mental health series I will either be there in person or I will be listening online to you guys to see what you guys have to say about this. Um, And so with that, I've been trying to not, um, I want to bring this, my job as a pastor. So I bring the spiritual aspect and the spiritual perspective to mental health. Uh, But most of the time I'm, I'm trying to just normalize just the church being in the middle of mental health, but with depression and loneliness, there are two things that stuck out to me that I think are are good spiritual practices. And you can tell me if you agree with them or not. Um, But one of the first ones I talked about was the spiritual practice of just guarding your heart, meaning, um, you know, your heart and and your soul out of Proverbs 4.23. And scripture just mentions that we need to to guard what we allow inside our our hearts as it can take root and, and grow. Um, my question to you is what are the top things that we should guard our heart against in order to battle depression? Mm. Um, definitely you want to guard your heart by having healthy boundaries with the people that you're hanging with. Um, so it can be somebody who's toxic, who's judgmental, who um, starts to preach at you. Um, and isn't loving and kind, um, that's somebody you want to guard your heart from. And they steal your joy. They don't support you. Um, So I think Dr. Henry Cloud hit it on the nose 
when he talks about safe people, someone who's sensitive, aware of their own stuff, they feel with you and they're forgiving and they're empathetic. And so if you um, are also telling yourself that you are worthless, all that, you want to guard your heart with the, the messages you're telling yourself and the messages that you're hearing and um, and finding people that are safe. Yeah, I, I like that. Can you say that one more time for our listeners? That that was uh, um, the 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 letters that make up the word safe. That was kind of what across. Um, sensitive, aware of their own stuff, feeling with you, and forthright, telling you, "Hey, you need to get help." And then empathetic. Um, I'm sorry you're going through this. This must be really hard. I think, you know, empathy is a really learned skill. I don't think it comes naturally. No, it doesn't. Because we instantly want to take care of somebody and fix them. Mm -hmm. So empathy is saying, hey, I'm sitting here right next to you. You can tell me whatever it is. I'm not going to judge you. I'm here for you. I'm sorry you're going through this. Rather than, oh, oh, I've got to get you to the doctor. I've got to, you know, you know, and instead um, we are walking alongside each other, supporting each other on the journey. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the first things that I had to learn getting into ministry is to learn um, empathy, how to empathize with people. Um, and because even the pastors, you know, we, we have this habit of, well, this is what scripture says. So this is what needs to be done. And we might be right in saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if you lack empathy, it's not going to be received uh, and they're not going to understand right. it. And they're going to, kind of isolate themselves really from the advice that we have. Um, and, but when we learn to empathize, it, it's really sitting in their mess with them and mm-hmm. them know, well, just like Jesus did, you know, he made intentional to walk towards people who had issues in their lives and he did some really great miracles and spoke some really great, powerful things. Um, but there was a lot of stories in there where he ate with them. He dined with them. He hung out with them. He did life with them. Mm-hmm. And I think all that just points to towards his level of empathy for the brokenhearted, for the, the Christian spirit. And I right. think it's something we need to learn uh, in our Western culture. There's that culture thing again. Um, mm-hmm. We need to learn a Western culture, especially in the Midwest. Because uh, I mentioned on Sunday, you know, our, our mentality is if you fall off the horse, you pull yourself by your bootstraps and get back on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, a tough, rugged thing to say. Um, mm-hmm. That's not the best answer all the time. Oh. No. And so discerning, um, you know, a right word in a right circumstances can be gold into a person's heart and so praying for wisdom of what to say and and when to listen and when to guide and when to um you know asking the person what is it that you feel like you need right now Mm -hmm. um instead of i know what you need i'm going to do it for you (laughs) yeah 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 that's really what about um what what's your take on the power of social media you know, in the aspect of, you know, guarding our heart, what's your take on the power of social media and link to those who struggle with depression? I think media has, um, it's a tool. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be for good, but it also can be abused. 
like any tool. I think it's better than no connection. And like I told my friend, I said, I'm thankful for technology in the fact that it's keeping people connected. Um, I would hope eventually that that's not the only place they go for connection um, because we need human contact. We need hugs. We need co connections. Um, um, so again, it's one way some people have learned to adapt during COVID. Um, but I mean, it's some people's lifeline right now and that's okay. But ultimately, um, being with other people, which is hopefully going to come around the corner, <laughs> um, can help rejuvenate some people's lives to have that fellowship. Yeah. The, well, what are some of the negative impacts of social media? Um, people click on one thing and that's how they do their research. And there's no research backup with it, but then that becomes the reality. So they don't check things. Um, what's being said is factual. Mm -hmm. um, they make a lot of assumptions, they jump to conclusions. And then if it's negative, they can get really influenced if they're not guarding their heart and what they're taking in. Yeah. I, uh, I say this all the time on the platform, but my biggest fear was social media. I love social media. I've got Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, I used to have <laughs> Snapchat, uh, couldn't get a hold of it. Couldn't under quite understand it. I used to have Twitter, um, but I was, uh, um, didn't have the platform for that. And so I just kind of laid that aside. Uh, but so I, I love social media. I love the the community that it has and the power of it's the ability to bring people together and to build bridges. Mm. I love that about social media. However, social media in itself is one large echo chamber to an individual. Um, mm -hmm. And so like you're talking, you know, you got a person who's wrestling with uh, loneliness and depression in their life and they click on something that uh, this is this person's personal opinion and you click on that well while you're reading that the algorithms behind social media they're they are trying to find other articles opinions facebook posts celebrities all those who might have the same opinion as this one that you just clicked on and they constantly just regurgitate the same information to you over and over and over again where pretty mm -hmm. all you hear i i tell them i made the joke i'm like if you're going to click on an article that says you know cats are better than dogs um you will find out <laughs> when you scroll through social media you will find posts and news articles and videos and celebrities and all mm -hmm. these people talking and and uh, di divulging their personal thoughts on why cats are better than dogs. And pretty soon you're going to actually believe, yeah, cats are better than dogs. Of course, look at all uh -huh. the actual information. Um, and so that's, that's my biggest fear of social media, especially when it comes to people's mental health, um, because there's the lack uh -huh. of fact checking um, and the, the lack on the social media's part on what I would say is just, uh, um, I would call a moral obligation to, to, to make sure what people are reading um, is beneficial for mm -hmm. them. And so I, do you see that as well? Yes, that, you know, um, people are not taught how to think critically. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's instamatic. It's um, whatever I read must be truth, you know, and get swayed pretty easily unless they're grounded in some way of critical thinking. That's an easy um, thing to do if you're impulsive and um, don't know how to discern through things. Yeah. Yeah. So spiritual practices, guard your heart is a must. The second one I talked about is shifting your thoughts out of Philippians chapter four, four through nine. Um, and, you know, as, as believers of, of Christ, it's what God calls us to is that we're supposed to fix our thoughts on, on what is good, honorable, admirable, um, holy things that please God. Um, but my, my question is, what are some practical habits that someone who wrestles with depression can do to help them fix their thoughts on things according to Philippians chapter four. And the reason I asked that question is because with depression, you again, with the, the chemicals and the pathways of the brain, all these different things that play into your perspective and your thought process, how can someone instate practices in their life? I guess what practices can they instate in their life to help them think or shift their thoughts on the things that God would have us to fix our thoughts on. I like the practice of meditation um, and mindfulness um, talks about being mindful about um, the word, um, the truth. Um, and it's the longest journey is from the head to the heart. Mm-hmm. So we, we start off by placing ourselves in a position of allowing the spirit to tell us um, what to meditate on, what, what scripture can I meditate on? And instead of um, doing chakra, (laughs) which is the new age stuff, but it actually has a a lot of good components to it that can teach you how to become more centered. So instead of centering yourself on new age or whatever philosophy that is, um, you'd want to center yourself on what you feel the spirit is pointing to you in scripture. So that would be the Christian mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, be still and know that I'm God. You could cite that several times and um, getting that into your neural pathways mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of um, all the things of the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really quick. I mean, you mentioned the, the term meditation, which I think, um, you know, you would have brought up that word back in the eighties. A lot of churches would have just shut their doors in your face. Um, but uh, now I, I think that word has become more popular, especially with mental health um, and the holistic approach to your spirituality. Um, but uh, you know, you talk about just, you know, repeating scripture uh, in a way that it's from your head to your heart. Um, is that, is that a practice that you do yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. What does that look like for you? Oh, well, daily, I think about what I've heard and seen and thought and acted on and um, being realigned to what I really believe. Um, Because you can easily get caught up into the stresses of everybody's life and, and what's going on instead of reminding yourself and even in the bible it talks about remember me you know and remind yourselves of these truths and so um 
you know, doing a devotion and praying that, you know, created me a new, a new heart, a clean heart um, is the cry of the soul. And just being able to set aside time to reflect and to listen to what God has to say instead of what the world and your own mind gets trapped into. Yeah. So we all have longings to feel loved and a sense of belonging and, and to matter and have influence. But when we're going to our careers or our profession or our calling all the time to fill that up, um, or we could go to the fleshly appetites um, to f- try to fit, fill that need up, we're going to constantly be searching for that. So um, it's easy to get caught up in religion and expect religion to fill your heart up. You know, the things that you're doing at church or, I mean, it's just real easy to get sucked into that performance of looking good, smelling good, doing everything for Jesus good, but not centering and saying, okay, listen, I need to listen to God right now. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Meditation <laughs> is good for the soul. And uh, I, I, I practice this um, and mm-hmm. I, use, I use an app. It's called Lectio 365. And it's just a meditation on, on scripture and guided prayers. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it has proven to be so beneficial. I do it as I lay in bed before I even get up. Um, and cool. it's made to kind of repurpose, uh, not repurpose, but to refocus my, my mind for the new day. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's so good for your soul. I would encourage our listeners, if you can find a way, practice this, this, um, this uh, meditation on, on scripture. There's a lot of great things out there. You can hit us up at the Rock Church. We'd be more than happy to show you uh, uh, some resources out there. But yeah, so sh- uh, shifting your thoughts um, is, is a key spiritual practice. Are, are there any other practices that... Um, you'd recommend to someone who's wrestling with depression, whether it be spiritual, mental, or physical, is there anything else that you would kind of put out there as we kind of wrap up? Deep breathing um, has been proven scientifically to help the brain um, and also can lessen chronic pain even. So I know they all go together, mind, body, and soul. We have found that when people are, taking care of their mental and emotional needs, some of their physical needs get better. And so there's a lot of times people will um, do yoga and um, other physical activity that helps their muscles and their, and their mind to get more clarity. Um, As long, you know, as long as you're focusing on um, your truth that can help you stay centered. I think it's all healthy. Um, Of course, things that we don't understand um, at first, uh, we can assume that they're not good for us. If it doesn't, if it's not in the Bible, is it, is it, is it good? (laughs) Um, Or we automatically assume it's not good for us because it's not in the Bible. But if you had anorexia, you would go get help for anorexia, right? You would, you'd need to go get, help physically, emotionally, and spiritually with your anorexia. So some things are just not in the Bible that now God has given people education and knowledge um, that can help us. Yeah, that's really, really good. 
deep breathing, getting some sunshine, exercise. There are so many things that benefit, well, that God has designed your body to benefit from. Um, and I can tell you, even in our own household, I, I have a, a daughter of special needs and uh, she has Down syndrome and her behavior has changed just a little bit um, at school. And we're trying to figure out what's happening. We're like, what's going on? And like she was doing so well. And then all of a sudden it, it's like there's just a little bit uh, a bump in the road. And we're, we're coming to this conclusion and our daughter, um, she's she's on the nonverbal side, but but she did say this that she's going to school in the dark and i'm like huh like she's recognizing i'm going to school and there's no sunshine outside um and also we're we're uh going to be introducing vitamin c and vitamin d to her uh her diet um and we're curious to what's going to happen but even that i mean it's just there's so many things in the natural realm that once we stop introducing them to our physical mental and spiritual health um, there can be some negative side effects to that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, just like for me, like, like, like my exercising and uh, it, it can help tremendously. So Karen, my, my last question uh, for this episode of Rock Talk um, is if you could give um, some encouragement to those who are wrestling with some deep depression. I've got a few of people in my church that wrestle with this. I've got friends and family that wrestle with this. What, what, what's some encouragement that you would give them? I think when you're in a dark tunnel of the unknown, hang on to the light to get you through. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even rest well with people who says God's going to do this for his glory. Cause he doesn't like it that we suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants us to have a healthy, happy life, but because of living in a fallen world, we do suffer. And so yeah. he's close to the brokenhearted. And so leaning in to God and, and those that love you well is the best thing ever. Um, even if it's 20 minutes a day of reaching out, but, don't stop reaching out. Mm-hmm. That's that persistence of trying to find the right help for you. Yeah. And if we weren't all interconnected um, in this web <laughs> of body, mind, and spirit, um, and all it took was medication, um, that'd be great. But we are more complex. Mm-hmm. Um, than we'd like to think. So to trust um, God in the process and to hang on to your faith um, gives you that hope and wisdom to know what you can change and the things you can't change, you know, and know the difference that, hey, this is, this is, something that God will work out with me, but it's not his intention for me to suffer. And so, you know, not blaming yourself, not blaming other people, not blaming, you know, but just resting in his truth um, and love. Yeah. I was uh, about a year and a half ago, there was a string of um, pastors 
um, seemed, seemed about one or two a month for a few months and it, it got pretty bad but news articles being released of there was a pastor that took his life there was a pastor that ended his life um, and uh, realizing that you know I'm a pastor so it was kind of a wake-up call for myself uh, and then it really hit home I had um, not necessarily a close friend uh, but uh, I, I knew very well a pastor who was uh, close to us um, that uh, took his life and that was the the thought as I was wrestling through all the emotions that came with that, um, the thought of, you know, there's, there's always a sunrise the next day. And while I may not wrestle with um, depression, um, I know the darkness that could be there, but we have to know that the sun, the sun does rise, that there is light and that there is another day. And that's why I, I totally agree with you. And I will tell everybody, our listeners at our church or whoever it might be, is if you're ever uh, in that state of depression and it, and it seems like the darkness is just too much, reach out, reach out to someone, who, whoever it might be, reach out to someone um, mm-hmm. and, and allow them to introduce that light to you in that dark moment. Um, right. That's, that is so... so- Yes. And so change, healing and transformation are a process, not an event. I think sometimes we just want that magical answer and have it all over with, but it's a process. Yeah, for sure. So know that there's hope. Know that your faith is not broken. God is for you. Depression, it is not just a spiritual issue and you need to know you're not alone. And there are two things that we can do right off the bat is we can guard our heart and we can shift our thoughts. Uh, these things do help when we wrestle with uh, depression and loneliness. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for, for being on this episode of Rock Talk. I know this is going to really bless our listeners. Um, and thank you for your flexibility and seeing this as an importance as, you know, we're, we're verging on nine o'clock at night. We're going to be ending this Zoom meeting. Uh, and, uh, but I know this is going to be a benefit for our church and for our listeners um, and our community members as they listen as well. So Karen, thank you so much uh, for being on Rock Talk. My pleasure. And for the listeners on here, if you want to get uh, in touch with with Karen, she is with uh, Rugged Pathways Counseling Services right here in North Platte. Um, you can go on the website, ruggedpathwayscounseling.com, and you can click contact me and you can insert your info there. Um, and that's probably the, the best way for you to be uh, getting in contact with Karen uh, if you wish. So once again, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Rock Talk, where we help you become better followers of Jesus Christ and better people for this world. That wraps up this episode of Mental Check. You guys have a great week. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to this conversation with Karen Gutherless from Rugged Pathways Counseling. We pray that this episode of the podcast blesses you in the way that uh, we would start being aware of our state of mental health and that we would make our mental health a priority in our lives. So thank you once again for listening to this conversation with Karen Gutherless. Hey, before you go, can you do two things for us really quick? Number one, can you go ahead and just like this episode of the podcast on our Buzzsprout feed? And number two, can you share this? whenever you have the chance we want to get the word out with rock talk we pray that it blesses our church and we pray that blesses our community and that we can truly make an impact 
on those in a way that they can be a better follower of Jesus Christ and better people for this world. Thank you guys again, and we'll see you next time.